0: Welcome to Ed Leader with your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Educational leadership is an ever-evolving opportunity to make a real and lasting difference in the lives of students, parents, and the community. And now, here's your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Ed Leader Podcast and the eighth episode in the special series on the science of reading, What Every Ed Leader Should Know. I'm your host, Rob Jackson, and I want to thank you for spending time with me today. If you have not, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on your podcast player and share it with your network of colleagues and friends. Your written reviews on your favorite podcast player, no matter how short, are extremely helpful and much appreciated. If you're finding value in the podcast, please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review. It is really helpful in growing the podcast and in creating connections with the national and international educational leaders you would like to hear from. The EdLeader podcast community continues to grow worldwide because of your kind words and positive ratings. Remember, you can find show notes, links to references that are cited during each episode, and find each of the previous regular episodes and the episodes from the three special series that we have done at drrobjackson.com. You may also find contact information for the podcast and for me at drrobjackson.com as well. Thank you for your support of this special series on the science of reading. The episodes in this series are interspersed between regular Ed Leader episodes. If you'd like to find direct links to the episodes in this series, take a look at drrobjackson.com where you'll find a direct link to the series on the menu on the left side of the page. I've set a personal goal to dig into and break down each of the elements of reading comprehension. I'm going to do my best to peel back the rhetoric and get to the heart of what ed leaders need to know about the science of reading. Speaking of getting to the heart, let's get to it. In the first episode of this series, I spent time introducing the science of reading, If you've not listened to that episode, I'd like to encourage you to spend a few moments with it as it grounds the series and undergirds the deconstruction of reading comprehension that I'm attempting. If you're looking for that episode, it's episode 69 on the EdLeader playlist. Previous episodes in the Science of Reading series have focused on the strands of fluency, background knowledge, sight word recognition, verbal reasoning, literacy knowledge, and decoding. With this episode, we continue deconstructing the reading rope. Today, I'm pulling out the strand of language structures. Neuroscientist Jeff Hawkins says that language is a nested structure. For example, letters are combined to form syllables. Syllables are combined to form words. Words are combined to form clauses and sentences. As text increases in complexity... A reader's understanding of how words work within sentences supports meaning-making with greater fluency. Children can gain understanding and practice with language structures through hearing language often during reading experiences, including read-alouds and mentor text, play, conversations, first-hand experiences, multimodal text, and explicit teaching of how sentences and words work together to create meaning. Before focusing on this episode's topic, let's reflect a moment on the foundation for this series. The science of reading is undergirded by theories of how students learn to read and comprehend text. At the very basic level is what's called the simple view of reading theory, which states that there are two elements that combine to result in reading comprehension. The simple view of reading formula states that decoding times language comprehension equals reading comprehension. From this grew Scarborough's reading rope, as conceived by Dr. Hollis S. Scarborough. Dr. Scarborough believed that the elements of word recognition and the elements of language comprehension all weave together into the rope of reading comprehension. Just like a true rope, the more strands present and the stronger each strand is, the stronger the rope is. The strands of word recognition include decoding, phonological awareness, and sight word recognition. The strands of language comprehension include background knowledge, vocabulary, language structures, verbal reasoning, and literacy knowledge. In this podcast series, my goal is to pull apart the individual strands of reading comprehension and build our shared understanding of what ed leaders need to know about learning to read. So... Metaphorically, we grab Scarborough's reading rope and separate the strands of word recognition and language comprehension. Within the language comprehension strands, we find the strand that is the topic for today's episode, language structures. When we really reflect on all that's going on when we read, it's truly mind-boggling. Think about it. Our brains are processing letters, syllables, words, sentences, paragraphs, sections, and chapters creating meaning out of what is simply markings on the page. Those markings, letters and punctuation, are also causing our brains to decipher and interpret what is seen on the page. The brain chooses sound to associate with letters and combinations of letters. All of this is happening with what is described as automaticity. You may recall that I discussed automaticity in the second episode of this series while discussing fluency. Automaticity is the ability to quickly and accurately identify letters, letter sound correspondence, and isolated words. For new and struggling readers, there's truly a lot to master just to begin to comprehend the easiest of texts. It's no wonder that as educators we continue to learn more and more about how the brain makes all of this work. As our understanding of what is going on when we read grows, our abilities to equip new and novice readers with the skills they need to master grows as well. So we find ourselves holding on to this strand of Scarborough's rope that we found among the language comprehension strands, this strand called language structures. Perhaps it stands to reason that we have to be equipped with an understanding of language structures if we want to master reading comprehension. What then are language structures? To answer that initial and guiding question for this episode, let's turn to Surrey Schools, the largest school district in British Columbia in Canada. The Surrey School System has a great website dedicated to reading comprehension. I'll link to it in the show notes for this episode at drrobjackson.com. Our friends in Surrey share that, quote, "...language structures refer to sentence-level comprehension of text, including how the arrangement of words within sentences impacts the meaning." While vocabulary supports readers' understanding of individual word meanings, language structure understanding helps readers interpret the meaning of full sentences." End quote. They go on to point out that the order of words in a sentence can drastically change the meaning. So attention to the rules of language helps children understand text, conversation, and communicate effectively. On the Great Minds Blogs, they think and ask and answer the question, why is knowledge of language structures critical for students' reading development? Well, they say, complex texts have complex language structures. The complexity of the language structures within a text contributes to the quantitative and qualitative measures of text complexity. Longer sentences, figurative language, and low-frequency words increase the complexity of a text. To read increasingly complex text successfully, students need support navigating complex structures and word choice to understand how each contributes to the text's meaning. Second, they say, knowledge of language structures helps readers track information within a sentence or across a text. A skilled reader uses their knowledge of language structures to accurately summarize and make logical inferences. Without understanding how to refer to a noun used in a previous sentence, for instance, students quickly lose the ability to make meaning of challenging text. Third, reading comprehension relies on the subtleties of language structures. Semantics and syntax both affect meaning. You may have seen, or even own, a coffee cup with this frequent but clever pairing of sentences. Let's eat grandma! And let's eat, comma, grandma! mark. To understand the joke, a reader needs strong knowledge of how the comma placement in the second sentence changes the meaning, from let's eat our grandma to let's eat with grandma. Developing knowledge of language structures strengthens students' ability to glean meaning from sentences. Language structure is made up of a complex set of rules and conventions. Readers have to learn the rules that allow us to communicate with one another through the written word. They develop this knowledge and understanding of language structure as they are learning how to read. I like the way that Brain Trust describes language structure as a series of layers. Letters make up words, which make up sentences, which make up paragraphs, which make up entire texts. Along with these components are other structures within language, such as semantics and grammar. There are at least six components in language structure. We've discussed the first of them, phonemes, previously. In both the episode on decoding and the episode on sight word recognition, I shared that the English language is made up of 26 letters and 44 sounds called phonemes. A phoneme is the smallest unit of sound in a word. They make up the structure that gives words meanings. The second component is the morpheme. A morpheme is the smallest unit of sound that carries meaning. Some individual letters are both a phoneme and a morpheme. An example would be the letter I. It's a morpheme because it is a word by itself, a single sound that carries meaning. By contrast, the letter T is a phoneme, as it is a sound within a word. But it is not a morpheme because it does not carry meaning by itself. Morphemes can be whole words standing by themselves as the smallest unit of sound that carries meaning. Examples include box, smell, and serious. Affixes, prefixes, or suffixes are also morphemes because while they don't stand by themselves, they still carry meaning that changes the words to which they are added. Think about what happens to the word motivated when we add the prefix DE or D. Suddenly, the word that means having an incentive or a strong desire to do well or succeed in some pursuit becomes a word that means having less incentive or desire to do well. The prefix DE or D is a morpheme because it's the smallest unit of sound that has meaning. Motivated becomes demotivated, and the word means something radically different when that affix is attached. The third component of language structure are words. I'm confident that listeners of the podcast and readers of the corresponding blog entry on drrobjackson.com know what a word is. In thinking about language structure, though, knowing that sentences are made up of words does not fully capture the importance of words in language structure. Sure, sentences are a collection of words, but not some random collection of words. Each word in a sentence is specifically chosen because the word conveys the meaning of what we want to say or write. Just like the addition of a prefix or suffix can change the meaning of a word, the addition or deletion of a word changes the meaning of a sentence. The meaning that results from a specific word choice is called semantics, and it's another component of language structure. Semantics are the fourth component of language structures. Semantics is both the meaning of individual words, the meaning of entire phrases, sentences, and even whole texts. As I mentioned, Changing one word in a sentence changes the meaning of the sentence. It can be said that changing one word changes the semantics. Semantics refers to the overall message of the sentence, including the tone and mood as determined by the words used within the sentence. Imagine a mom leaves a note for her son to wash the dishes. He might make use of semantics to understand wash the dishes as wash the dishes anytime you'd like to. His mom probably meant wash the dishes as soon as possible. Semantics refers to the meaning of the phrase wash the dishes. Improperly understanding the semantics of his mom's directions probably led to her son being in trouble with his mom. Semantics is also the meaning of a single word or phrase. When we consider the word destination and the phrase last stop, we might think that they mean the same thing. Destination and last stop, but understanding semantics, we understand there can be a subtle difference. We might use the phrase last stop to refer to the last stop before the destination, or use last stop to refer to the actual destination. Within the phrase, sentence, paragraph, or text, readers derive the meaning of last stop. This is semantics. From semantics, we move along to the fifth component of language structure, syntax. Masterclass.com shared that the word syntax comes from the ancient Greek for coordination or ordering together. In spoken and written language, syntax refers to the set of rules that determines the arrangement of words in a sentence. Syntax is the underlying system within a language of how words are arranged to make sense. As an example, In the English language, an adjective comes before the noun it describes. This is not necessarily the same in other languages. In English, we would describe the size of a library as a large library, not library large. However, in Spanish, the adjectives come after the nouns. So, Spanish speakers would say Biblioteca Grande, library large. In the Masterclass article on syntax in the English language, the authors share the four baseline rules. Number one, a complete sentence requires a subject and a verb and expresses a complete thought. This is also called an independent clause. A sentence without a subject and a verb is considered a fragment. Number two, separate ideas generally require separate sentences. A sentence containing multiple independent clauses that are improperly joined is considered a run-on sentence. Number three, English word order follows the subject-verb-object sequence. And number four, a dependent clause contains a subject and a verb, but it doesn't express a complete thought. The sixth and final component of language structure that we will discuss is grammar. It's important for students to know and understand the rules of grammar to be able to comprehend what they are reading. Most grammatical knowledge can be learned from exposure to language, such as through read-alouds, conversation with proficient speakers, and other classroom listening and speaking experiences, according to Surrey Schools. Encyclopedia Britannica defines grammar as the rules of a language governing the sounds, words, sentences, and other elements, as well as their combination and interpretation. The word grammar also denotes the study of these abstract features or a book presenting these rules. To try to gain a more specific and basic understanding of grammar and language structure, I went to English Topper, an online platform that teaches the English language around the world. On their website, I found what I was looking for, the basic rules of grammar. By the way, there are 12 of them. The 12 rules of grammar are, number one, every sentence should start with a capital letter in the first word. Number two, Every sentence should either end with a period, or a question mark, or an exclamation mark. Number three, every sentence should have a subject, a verb, and an object. Number four, the subject and verb forms are interrelated in the sentence. Number five, use either or when both cases are true or use neither nor when neither case is true, depending on the sentence while using singular nouns. Number six, proper nouns should be capitalized anywhere in the sentences, including at the beginning when used. Number seven, common nouns should be capitalized only at the beginning of sentences. Number eight, the word its, I-T-S, and its, I-T-apostrophe-S, And the words your, Y-O-U, apostrophe, R-E, and your, Y-O-U-R, are not the same. Number nine, use indefinite articles like A for countable nouns and definite articles like "the" with specific countable and all uncountable nouns. Number ten, use the article A for consonant sounds and AN for vowel sounds. Number eleven, use apostrophes to show possessions. And drumroll please, number twelve, active voice is more preferred than passive voice in the English language. As with all of the references in each episode of the Ed Leader Podcast, links are provided in the show notes at drrobjackson.com. If you're interested in diving into understanding the twelve rules of grammar at a deeper level, the descriptions at English Tutor are great. The six components of language structure, phonemes, morphemes, words, semantics, syntax, and grammar are all important for a student to learn and master. Ideally, students are trying to master all of these skills at one time. Instead, the skills are learned gradually over time. Master teachers differentiate instruction in these skills as students are ready for them. Typically, in small group instruction, after an initial introduction in a large group setting. Wow, we've now made it through six of the eight strands of Scarborough's reading rope with a bonus episode on fluency. P.S. I still feel like Dr. Scarborough should have included fluency as a strand in the reading rope, but that's a conversation for another day, perhaps over a nice meal or at a casual gathering. I digress. Two more strands remain for us to pull out and understand, those strands will be detailed in future episodes as we continue this exploration of what we need to know about the science of reading. Thank you again for hanging out with me as we pull apart the strands of Scarborough's reading rope to understand what ed leaders need to know. I'll keep pulling out the strands. Please keep sharing your feedback on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Rob underscore Jackson through email or by commenting directly on the show notes page thank you for spending time with me today and thank you for all that you do for every student every teacher and every staff member you are making a difference if no one else has told you i want you to know that i believe in you good day thank you for listening to the ad leader podcast Please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving a review with five stars on Apple Podcasts so that we may continue to grow the Ed Leader community. We hope that you have enjoyed your time with Dr. Jackson. Until next time.